Father, we just want to thank you. We want to praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you thanks. We give you praise. And this morning, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we come through the blood. Yes, Lord, even as we have worshipped you, Lord, through the new and living way. Father, this morning, even as we meditate upon your word, pray, Lord, you would truly change our hearts, Lord. Yes, Lord, you are the potter and we are the clay. Continue to mold us, O Lord. Continue to shape us. Keep us, O Lord, teachable, moldable, not hardened. Therefore, this morning we pray, Father, a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, which will bring conviction into our lives, that you will pour out upon us, O Lord, your Spirit and soften us. Because you said in your word, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be convicted of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And therefore, Father, convict us this morning. Challenge us. Transform us. Mold us. Continue to rot in us that which will please you. And therefore, this morning, Father, we surrender ourselves to the washing of water by the word. Sanctification by your word. Set us apart and cleanse us. And Father, prepare us continuously to be used of you for your glory. To that end, I pray that you would anoint the speaking and the hearing of today's word. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name, Amen. Praise God. So I hope you have your Sunday service still ringing in your mind. God is a God who answers prayer and that awesome prayer of Jabez still rings in my head. I can't get over it. So, you know, um, just out of the blue, one guy is there right in the middle of nowhere. He says, Lord, um, sees May keep me from being a pain. That's amazing prayer. And then God answers him. That's remarkable. And um, today we'll just continue. I mean, because there's so many new believers. Um, um, we want to <clears throat> talk about some fundamental, simple truths, foundations of new for new believers and all of us, you know. Uh, one of the things that we have to continuously keep doing is keep digging deeper and strengthening our foundation. Okay. No other foundation can be laid, that which is already laid, that which is Christ Jesus. And upon that we are building. So what is one foundation that we constantly want to build is the foundation of repentance. This is the heart of God. He wants everyone to repent. When you look at the word repent, you know, if you've heard it many times in our church, you know, the first time the word repent occurs in the book of Genesis, don't, don't have to turn there. It says God repented. So, uh, repentance is something which started from there. I mean, it's, uh, uh so when we repent, we have to repent the way uh, He wants us to repent, right? 
So what we need to do therefore is, you know, repentance is not a bad word. It's not a, it's not a word that you should be afraid of. You see, a uh, lot of people are scared about that. I mean, what do I have to do? And then, uh, I'm, I'm, I was told that salvation is free. And what is this repentance business? And they get scared and, and, uh, they are, um, uh, they are worried about um, the fact that they'll be exposed or things of that nature. But you see, um, every good and perfect gift comes from God, who is the father of all lights and with him there is no shadow of turning. Okay. And repentance also is a gift from God. Right? It is a gift. So if it is a gift from God, let me tell you for sure it is a blessing. It is only going to bring a blessing into our lives if it is repentance which is from God, which is originating from God. So you don't have to be scared. No? A lot of people are scared of it. They're scared that somehow it's going to change and alter their lives. So they're scared of the word repentance. And so a lot of people, uh, in many places you will hardly find uh, that word repentance simply because they don't want to scare the people. But it is not a scary thing. It's the most beautiful experience for every believer. If they truly repent, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, what does he receive? Pardon receives. See, these are the songs, no, which the old men, I mean, the Puritans have understood what repentance actually is. It's a truly a tremendous blessing of God. You don't have to be scared of it. Okay. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what does kingdom of heaven bring? I'm, I'm sure it brings a blessing and repentance is one of the blessings. Okay. If it originates from God. I want to show you a few verses, you know, to, to, to kind of, uh, not to, um, lessen the intensity of what repentance demands, of, from God demands, and what, uh, what is, what not, dem- I don't want to use those word demand, what God rots in us, but to just to understand the heart of God, repentance from God's perspective. I want to show you a few verses to, uh, to set the whole premise uh, so that you will be at ease, okay? Don't have to be scared. This is God. The plans that he has for us are plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future and a desired end. Okay. Let me tell you, I can tell you from my personal experience when I truly repented. Okay. Definitely I had to pay a price, but genuinely brought blessing into my life. And I can honestly say before God and before man, when I repented the way God wanted me to repent, it genuinely brought blessing into my life. And it will bring blessing into everyone's life. And because, because me don't understand God's heart is, is that, that is the reason why we get scared. Turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Let's read from verse 29 to 30. 29 to 30. Look at what it says. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, look at this. What a beautiful word. We are the offspring of God. We ought not to think that divine nature is like gold and silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly these times of ignorance, God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Repent. Why? Look at what it says in Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and as and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come 
to repentance. That is the reason why it says in Romans chapter 2, it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. You know what? Why do we repent? Because we experience the goodness of God. Understand that, my dear brothers. Okay. Brethren, it's a new agenda. Okay. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. He wants all of us to repent. So don't, and don't misunderstand this word repentance. What is this word repentance? We get, we get, uh, scared sometimes. Turn to another place in Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 21 to 23. Look at what it says. 21 to 23. But if a wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed, keeps all my statutes and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness which he has done. He shall live. What is the righteousness? He just believed. He turned. Then he says, verse 23, Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? Says the Lord. Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live. It is my desire. I don't have pleasure at all. It doesn't give me... See, God is not a God who is sitting there and he's looking at people and say, Okay, I'm going to punish him. I'm going to send him to hell. No. No, 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 no. That is a... Sinner, repent. No, no, no. Don't, don't have to be scared. No, you can <laughs> Sometimes you have to be scared. No. People like me should be scared. Not for with everybody. Bruised reed, uh, he will not... Uh, 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 break. Uh, smoking flax he will not put off. Okay. And verse 30, uh, ex- ex- Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11. Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11. Hmm? Twice he repeat, uh, makes this statement. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. And he says, turn, turn from your evil ways. It's a very Hebraic way of expressing it. No, turn, Turn, he will keep him in perfect peace, whose heart is stayed upon him. You know the word for perfect peace? Peace is, Hebrew is shalom. Perfect peace? Shalom, shalom. Kya baat hai? Thank you, Dr. Richard. <laughs> you are becoming <laughs> an expert now in Hebrew. You see, he, he shall keep him in perfect peace, means shalom, shalom. His mind is stayed upon him. Why? Because he trusts in him. 26.3, Isaiah. You can put it there, no? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because what? He just trusts in you, not in his own righteousness. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to thy fountain fly, wash me savior or I die. This is, this is repentance. Keep him in perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. That's the word. Twice Hebraic. Turn, turn from your evil ways. I don't have pleasure at all in the death of the wicked. So, this is, this is, it's a blessing. Okay. Repentance is genuinely a blessing from God. Understand this. The heart of God is that everyone should turn to God. That is repentance. To turn back to Him and follow Him and stop following our own desires and seeking our own way. That is the essence of sin. That's the essence of sin. For all of us have turned to our own way. As sheep have been scattered, we everyone turned to his own way and the Lord laid upon him the word of us of all, the iniquity of us all. We all turn. All of us like sheep have turned. Therefore, the fundamental principle 
okay is repentance you, you should turn from your evil ways so that you will you will what live but what does the enemy come to do to steal to kill and to destroy and what does jesus say i have to i have come to give you life and what kind of life life in abundance john 10:10 10, 10. what a beautiful verse that is Thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And everyone, we have turned aside to our own way and when we seek our own way, what will happen at the end of it? We will die. And what does, what does the enemy do? He says, continue in, that own, in your own way. He who seeks his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they, they, that they may have it. Just not little life. Abundant life. Abundant life. Of course, this is a, this is a good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. Understand that, no? Therefore, the fundamental principle and the most fundamental doctrine in Christianity is the doctrine of repentance from what works? From dead works. Acts that lead to death. Whatever these acts are, ostensibly sinful or ostensibly righteous, doesn't matter. Hmm. All my righteousness is what, as what drags? Filthy rags. The same word. When uh, Hezekiah goes and cleans up the filthiness in the which place? In the holy place. He, he cleanses that holy place of all its filthiness. I was, it was interesting when I was meditating upon that, thinking about it. What does the holy place consist of? It consists of the shoe bread. Which signifies what? Your will. It consists of the lampstand. Okay. It signifies your illuminated mind. It consists of the altar of incense, which signifies your emotions. And what is there in the holy place? Filthiness. That means your will. You have been captivated by the enemy, it says in Second Timothy chapter 2, to do his will. And it says, the God of the world has blinded the minds. Your mind has been blinded. And what has happened because your cap- will has been captivated and your will uh, and your mind has been blinded, your emotions are all so false. It's all false. There's no truth at all in your emotions. Your prayers, your worship, your praise, your incense, your prayer itself becomes an abomination, it says. And so what do the priests have to do? They have to sanctify themselves. And after they sanctify themselves, they have to go to the holy place and cleanse it of all its filthiness. You see? So, just keeping, just mentioning that so that we strengthen all that we have learned already also. So, there's a fundamental doctrine. Repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Two fundamental doctrines in Christianity. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Um, one. That's enough. Just verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. So, therefore, this, this doctrine, this this doctrine of repentance is not a bad word. It's not a curse. It is not something which you have to be scared of. It is something which is a blessing. It is God who grants repentance. It says in Acts chapter 11 verse 18. You can go there. Acts chapter 11 verse 18. When they heard these things, they became silent and glorified God. 
saying, then God has also granted the Gentiles. God grant, when God gives, what a gift. Anything bad comes from the hands of God. Which of you fathers? If your son asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? How much more the father will not give the Holy Spirit to whom he asks? And everything that the father gives is a tremendous gift. You need to understand, repentance is an awesome gift. The ability to change your mind. (laughs) The ability to be teachable all the days of your life in terms of your mind. Think about it. Okay. They say, no, you can't teach an old, uh, whatever, new tricks. What is that? Old uh, monkey or dog, I don't know. Okay, whatever. Okay, you new tricks. That means after after a while you are set in your ways. But if you are uh, a believer, I believe very very strongly, change is constant. What is constant? Change is constant. Ability to change is constant. You can change anytime. Otherwise, what's the whole point? No, of being a believer. I should believe that very strongly. Okay. So I was telling yesterday somebody I said, even if I become 50, I'll, I can, I will, I, I'm asking God, I'll have the ability to learn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. I'll have the teachable spirit. It's a gift from God. The ability to change your mind. We'll come to that later on in our future studies, maybe. So understanding repentance from the heavenly perspective will give us, you know what? Uh, that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You don't have to be scared. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. But men love darkness than light. God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, You come from the dominion of condemnation and guilt into the dominion of righteousness. We'll come to that Okay, in, in, in future uh, studies maybe. So understand, let us understand Repentance from heavenly perspective. Okay. So when, once that is there, you know what? You will be at ease. Okay. You will be at ease. You will not have, you will not be scared truly of that word repentance. It will truly be a blessing in your life. So in order to understand repentance from godly perspective, from the, from the God's perspective, I want to, I want to look at a passage in the Bible from Luke's Gospel chapter 15. Let's read the first few verses. It's Three parables here. You know this uh, parable very well. There are three parables on repentance. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. Okay. Three parables. Jesus puts them together. We will look at maybe just the first two today. Look at verse 15. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. What a word. (laughs) What a word that is. (laughs) Okay. And the Pharisees and scribes complained. The word is murmured. They made sound. I told you, no, (laughs) gongusmo. They made a murmuring sound. Hmm? What is the sound? This man. I like that word. Man in what? Capitals. This man. This son of man. This God. What is he doing? He's receiving sinners and eats with them. Let us just stop there for a few minutes and understand the heart of God. Okay, this is the heart. What I'm saying, repentance from which perspective? From God's perspective. Who is this man? Who receives sinners? The question they have. What is the word for receiving sinners? Receiving, ante. I'll tell you what it means. You know, you're looking forward. 
For example, let us say, um, my, my uncle, no, those days he used to work for Merchant Navy. Okay. And uh, I was the first grandson in the entire family. And he used to go on his uh, trip. And when he used to come back, he used to bring a bunch of toys to me. Remote control car. Okay. Uh, 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 flipping monkey. Uh, remote control. Uh, whatever. No, all those toys he used to give, bring to me. Because I have the only grandchild in the whole home. So, so when I received the, you know, the telegram that my uncle is coming. You should see how I used to eagerly wait for him to come home. Okay, Mama, where is he coming? When is he coming? When is he coming? <laughs> Impatient till he comes. That is a picture here to receive. Who is this God? The, the Pharisees are saying, Who is this God that is waiting for these people to come to his place? Do you see the heart of God? Do you see the heart of God? As if, no, why, why am I waiting for my uncle to come home? Because I'm going to receive a favor from him, obviously. Oh, those days I got uh, Walkman and uh, you those days to have a Walkman, Sony Walkman, Baba. Sanyo, Sony, I think Sanyo, I think. Sanyo Walkman with uh, multiple reverse side. That means you can play in both sides. You don't have to flip the cassette. Okay. Dolby Digital Sound. Oh, you should see the kind of gifts I got as, an, as, a, as a boy. I mean, after that, after my uncle got married and he had children, now all those disappeared. But, <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is this, no? This is how I used to look forward because you know what? My uncle is going to bring me gifts. No, this is a totally different picture. Who is this God? If he's, this is God, this is a righteous man, a holy man. We know that Nicodemus said, no, the Pharisee, nobody will do such things unless God is with him. We know. We know this guy is from from God. Who is this God who is receiving and welcoming sinners like this as if they are doing a favor to him? Remember Art Katz? In his in his uh, testimony he talks about it. No, he was he was uh, he was asking for a lift in uh, he was still an unbeliever then. Okay. On the highways of Europe. He was standing by the autobahns of Europe Europe, if you will. And he was trying to hitch a hike. And everybody passed by, no? But there was one guy who was a Christian, no? And when he passed by, he stopped in a brand new car. Stopped, reversed, came back to him. Came out of the car. Took his luggage and he was like full. I mean, he was a backpacker. You know how backpackers are? Full dirt all over the place. They travel from one place to the other. No, he was a backpacker. He took his luggage, put him, put the luggage into his, uh, into his trunk and uh, brand new upholstery made him sit as if he was doing him a favor by coming and sitting in his car and giving the pleasure of his company. That is a picture. Who is this man who receives what? Sinners as if they are giving him the pleasure of his company. What a God. Do you see God? God's heart. And then he says, he not only receives sinners, what does he do? He eats with them. See, these are all spiritual lessons you need to, you don't just pass over them just like that. So when they are making a statement like this, you know, the Bible is very terse. It's very cryptic. It's very economical in words. It's written by Jewish people. So naturally, they will be very, very... <laughs> so, of course, Luke was written by Gentile, but he had a Jewish mind. And he had, he had a Jewish mentor, I believe, in whom? Paul, yeah, thank you. See, uh, so in, in Paul, he had a Jewish mentor. So he was very terse with words. They are very cryptic.
perfect. The man receives sinners and he eats with them. What is this principle? There's a spiritual lesson that we need to learn. Who is this man? Who is this God who has come in the flesh and he receives sinners as if they coming to him are doing a favor to him. As if they are giving him the pleasure of their company. Can we have the pleasure of your company? We say no. But who do we say? Do we say to the guy in the, on the streets, please come to our home and give us the pleasure of your company? No. We say, okay, Pastor James, please come to our home and give us the pleasure of your company. That's what we say. We want somebody more honorable than us to come to our home. But this is God who is inviting sinners and say, please come. Give me the pleasure of your company. That's what he says. Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked? So what gives me pleasure? That they should come to life. That gives me pleasure. Can you imagine? You can give pleasure to God. <laughs> you see that? That's the picture over here, my dear brothers. You don't have these pictures, you know. That is the reason why I say repentance is not a bad word. It is a blessing. Okay. Behold what manner of love that God has showered upon us. That what? <laughs> we should be called the children of God. Hmm? This man receives sinners and then he what? Eats with them. Now, this is very interesting. What is this eat? This is a spiritual lesson. This is a spiritual lesson that we need to learn over here. To understand this concept of eating, turn to Genesis 43, 32. Genesis 43, 32. Okay, this is Joseph. Okay, when all his brothers come to his place and they're all eating. Look at how it it says. So, they set him a place by himself and them by themselves. And the Egyptian, what? Ate with him. Ah, look at this. They ate with him by themselves. So they were eating, but all the Egyptians were one group. Joseph was another group. Why? Because the Egyptians could not eat food with the Hebrews, for this is an abomination to the Egyptians. Now think about this. Now what is God doing? He's saying, come, eat with me. You know, I had a friend. I'll tell you what this is actually. If you, you need to understand the Middle Eastern mind. Um, I was, I'm in Hyderabad, right? From Hyderabad. So when I was doing my engineering, I had a lot of uh, Muslim friends. Okay. Muslim acquaintances, not many friends, but yeah. Uh, but I, 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 and I used to love to the, go to their home because they used to give us some fantastic food. Okay. They make some awesome food. Okay. I had a friend. His name is Mutalib Hassan Khan. Mutalib Hassan. I remember his name very well. Okay. Um, so one day, like Bakrit was coming, I said, uh, Mutalib, Hassan, hum tumare ghar aare, Makrit ke liye. we are coming for on this Eid day, we are coming to your home and we are going to enjoy it. He said, Vijay, come, 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 come. So he invited me and the other four or five friends, friends, we all were invited to his home for Bakrit. This is Nawabi Khana. This Hyderabad Nawabi Khana, I am telling you, the spread that they gave us that day. But you should, it's, it's very interesting how they spread the food. You know how they did it? There was a huge place where we sit around. And there was a huge, uh, uh, what do you say, a cloth that they spread in the center of the, uh, I mean, in the, in the middle. And they pour biryani on that. So there's a heap of biryani like this. More mutton, less rice. Okay? Very, very careful. Okay? More mutton, Less rice. So you have to search for rice in the biryani. Okay. It's like that. Generally, when you go to paradise, you search for mutton than the biryani. Okay. So here, here, the, it's totally the other way. There's a spread across. Okay. There's like this, uh, this, um, uh, 
kebabs and uh, and uh, sheikh kebabs and uh, chicken 65 you name it all the nawabi khana was there and a spread like this and we had our own plates you know how we have we are supposed to eat all of us share from that same heap of food you know what my friend was doing when he actually made a spread like that he was saying you know what vijay i'm treating you as my equal i'm making myself vulnerable to you i am considering you i'm literally inviting you to islam in other words okay that is what they do the hospitality i'm telling you some of the muslims the kind of hospitality they they, they show you they will put christians to shame we don't show that kind of hospitality even to our pastors forget about guests the spread of biryani you should see boy that day we ate and ate and ate like aging ape and dil bhar gaya sorry pet bhar gaya par dil nahi bhara okay we wish we could digest the food very soon and eat again but the food was so heavy but t- let me tell you that is the kind of hospitality that you know uh that the middle eastern culture is used to and then you know what when the pharisees are saying he eats with them he's inviting them to their house to his house and eating with them there's a picture over here it's as if god is treating those people as what as his equal and inviting them to himself and the pharisees couldn't take it see this is a very very important principle for you to understand let me show you to reiterate and strengthen this let us look at uh, some other things in the new covenant turns to turn to acts chapter 11 acts chapter 11 let's read from verses 1 to 3 we looked at verse 18 where the gentiles are granted repentance but look at what it says the apostles and the brethren who were who were in judea heard that the gentiles also received the word of god and when peter came to jerusalem those of the circumcision contended with him why saying you went into the uncircumcised men and what you ate with them oh hello what's going on peter how can you treat them as your equal this is a spiritual exercise you ate with them you see when the shunamite woman invites uh, elisha who was doing whom a privilege and an honor was a shunamite woman woman giving the privilege of having uh, of having uh, i mean was giving a privilege to elisha or was elisha giving the privilege to the shunamite woman the pleasure of his company tell me elisha was giving okay so when elisha went to their home and ate with them it's a huge thing for a prophet to do huge thing you remember the prophet who comes from judea and prophesies against jeroboam what is the what does the lord say don't eat the go there prophesy against the altar and come back don't go to jeroboam's place and eat so what does jeroboam do come and eat you know he says i know your heart you have not repented i am not going to be a part of you so he goes back but after a while he relaxes and another old prophet comes and he says oh, god also came to me come to my home and eat you remember what does it mean eating means you're treating the other person just the way god is treating you and it's like you're it's your 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 equals and you're very frustrated that you know you're eating with gentiles and peter gives them the story and they all shut their mouths but you know what it's a very very difficult 
prejudice that they have in their minds and even peter has this in his in his heart he was confronted by the were the answer by the circumcision party and look at what happens in galatians chapter 2 we know this very well right galatians chapter 2 verse 11 these are all spiritual truths that we have to be very very uh, sensitive to verse 11 onwards now when peter had come to antioch i withstood them which stood him to his face because he was to be blamed for before certain men came from James what? James, he would what? Eat with the Gentiles. It's a spiritual thing. What is eating with the Gentiles? Literally, you know, I'm, let me say, let me go to Dr. David, Dr. Richard's home and uh, take from his plate and eat. What does it mean? Like, you know, it, it shows, symbolizes closeness. So all the Gentiles and the Jews are together and they're having a meal together. No, that simple of having a meal together was a tremendous assurance for the Gentiles saying, you know what? We have been accepted by God. We have been accepted by God. We don't have to come through our works. Every every Gentile who truly puts their trust in Jesus and Jesus alone and genuinely repents are considered equal to the Jews. Which is an anathema to the Jewish mind those days. You know what, what happened? They started eating together but what happened? Suddenly when somebody came from the circumcision party, what happened? Slowly he withdrew and he was going away and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision party. And it says in verse 13, and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Now, Paul would have none of this. You know what he's saying? But this very act of separating yourselves, you're saying, you know what? You know what? You are less. We are better Christians. You are worse Christians. No way. All are saved by the same way. We are all, we all have to, uh, at the cross, there is no Jew, there is no Gentile. So there is no Brahmin Christian, there is no Chaudhary Christian, there is no Gujarati Christian, there is no Mala Christian, there is no Madhika Christian, there is no Nigerian Christian. We are all, all Christian, period. We are what we call as a part of the holy nation all around the world. Every tribe, every tongue, every race, every language. There is no... So that is the reason why when Jesus goes to the to the Pharisee's house and he eats with them, sorry, the sinner's house and he eats with them, what is he saying? You know what? I am inviting you. There is no difference. Anybody can come to me. He's making that statement. You understand that? You understand the heart of God in repentance? So what do they do? They drew near. So the Pharisees and the sinners drew near to him to do what? To to hear him. These are all spiritual lessons. Let's go back to uh, Luke's Gospel chapter 15. Hmm? <clears throat> Luke's Gospel chapter 15 and verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. It's beautiful, right? How Jesus attracts sinners. Many, many Christians put away sinners. They don't get attracted to them. Touch me not, holier than thou. You are all antiseptic people. Oh, I mean, I like those words in uh, in John, 1 John chapter 1. That which we are, our eyes have seen, that which we have touched with our with our hands. What of? I mean, we touched God. We touched. We touched the Holy One of God. See, that was the heart of God all the time, right from the beginning. No, when Moses went onto the top of the mountain to get the law, he also not only just gave him the law, he also gave him something else. What did he give him? The, the design of the tabernacle. Why? 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 I want to come and live with my people, Baba. That is my heart. They can't come up to me. 
That's the reason why I like that song, no? Heaven, what? Came down. Kya baat hai? <laughs> oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. After I wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need of my heart. Heaven and joy I'm telling. He made all my darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross my Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away. And my night was turned today. What a song. Heaven was literally down. And what did they do? They handled it. They touched him. They, they literally, you know, uh, rested their heads on the bosom of Jesus. That is God. That is the heart of God. You know what John was telling? He's the, he's the apostle of love, right? You know what he said? I heard his heartbeat. I knew what kind of a heart he had. Yes, I was born or just sons of thunder. Bring fire down from heaven. It's very interesting. The apostle who was wanting the fire to come down from heaven becomes the apostle of love, isn't it? Amazing! Amazing! And who talks about God as a father the most? In the entire epistles? Entire epistles. One guy who introduces God as a father and talks most about God as a father is, is Apostle John. Nobody else. Not even Paul. Incredible revelation. This man receives sinners. What is it? The sinners drew near to him and heard him. That's the reason why they says the sinners heard heard him gladly. It says <laughs> the sinners heard him gladly. Okay, they called him what? Wine biber and a glutton <laughs> and the friend of tax collectors and sinners. But he says, wisdom is justified by her, by her hearers, by her children and by her hearers. Two translations, one in one in Luke and one in Matthew. It says, wisdom is justified by her hearers and wisdom is justified by her children. Tax collectors and the sinners. They drew near to him. That was the heart of God. You know, remember uh, uh, Elijah and Mount Carmel? What does he say? 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 13. You know, looked at this. Then Elijah said to the people, come near, draw near to me, draw near to me. Okay. It's like, you know, you seek him and you will find him. When you seek him with all of your heart. Think about it now. If God chooses not to show himself, can anybody find him? Forget it. Hide and seek forever. <laughs> you are forever dipped up. <laughs> okay. Come to that. That's the reason why it says, James chapter 4 will say, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. For it, yeah. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 to 22. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And having a price, uh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us, what? Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed from with pure water. So, the tax collectors and the sinners gathered close to him to hear from him and the Pharisees and the uh, and the, and the Sadducees grumbled 
as usual, complained. It says, Pharisees and the scribes, actually. Scribes are those people who are, you know, there's a very interesting Greek word for scribes. Grammatures, from which we get the word grammar. And correct grammar, basically. Okay, if the grammar is not right, he'll give you a zero. Yeah, he is like he's a he's very conservative basically. I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> no, don't misunderstand me. Okay, God is not liberal, but uh, the Pharisees and the scribes complained or murmured, saying, "This man receives sinners, and he eats with them." It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic. It's a spiritual act. I told you what is receiving and eating. I hope you understood what it means. Now look at how Jesus responds. He responds with a parable. Three parables. Let us look at the first parable. He spoke this parable to them saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses, um, yeah, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And look at verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And then, verse 7, I say to you, likewise, there is, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons or just persons who need no repentance in that context. I told you, right? Repentance from whose perspective? From God's perspective. Why do we repent? This is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, says Romans chapter 2. Verse 4, if I'm right. Verse 4 and 5. Don't have to turn there. So, so it's a goodness of God. So what kind of goodness is he showing? That's the Telugu word. It's inspiring us to repent. What is inspiring us to repent? The goodness of God inspires us to repent. It's the goodness of God. It's a beautiful rendering. So look at this beautiful parable. Simple parable, but laden with truths. So how does the parable start? It starts off with 99 sheep not lost and one sheep lost. The problem is, whom do, whom do we identify it as a, uh, identify with is the problem. Do we identify us with the, ourselves with the 99 just persons or with the one, one uh, fellow who's gone astray? What, what does it say? We all like sheep have gone astray and everyone has turned to our own way. There is none who is righteous, no not one. We have all to be, together become unclean. We have all gone astray. There is no fear of God, it says in Romans chapter 3, before their, before their eyes. None, none of us is righteous. No, not one. No, not one. The condition of all of us is that without God, we are lost. You know, word is apollomy. You know what apollomy means? We are heading towards perdition or destruction. Apollyon, Abaddon, you know, those, those kinds of words. What is it? The perd- we are all, those are acts which are leading us to what? To death. They are taking us on our path towards destruction. We are all lost without God. That's a condition for all of us. We are headed towards destruction totally. We are going to be, we are already and we are going to be separated from God. God therefore is always the first who is to make the, is, is the one who makes the first move. He's called what we call as a prime mover. You know what prime mover is, right? You know, we have a, a borewell, I mean, we have a pump in our home, in our home. Now, after a while, if you don't use it, what happens is that uh, it will not pump simply because you, you have to prime it. So what should you do? You have to pour a little water into it and then start priming it. 
then it will go and you know get the water out so that's what that's what priming means so unless god moves we can't find them it's like you know we'll be eternally lost means we'll be playing eternal hide and seek with god okay see you know remember uh, if you play hide and seek with kids okay you can come you can hide yourself in a way that they will never find you right yes until unless you make yourself to be found so make some sound or you know some some kind of a sound some kind of a hints you have to give to him and then he will say otherwise he is lost That is the reason why you will seek him and you will find him. You will search with him with all of his heart and you will be found of him. That's the difference. <laughs> it is not that you will find him. It is not, not that you will know God. You will be known by God. He will find you. It's like that. He will make your, make himself found of you. In other words. It's a, it's God who goes in search of his people, right? Go, when Adam is if sins, he's hiding from God. It's God who says, Adam, Adam, where are you? <laughs> it's not that Adam does not know where, where he is. He says, why are you hiding from me, basically? What is it? Why are you playing hide and seek? You see, we are all like that. But look at this, no? 99 sheep over there, and one sheep is lost. What is the lesson that God is trying to teach us through that? I need to understand in the kingdom of God, it is individual souls which matter. It's not the numbers. What is it? It's not the numbers. He is a God who goes after the individual. Every soul to God is precious. Therefore, it says in, you can turn there to uh, Matthew chapter 16 verses 25 and 26. Matthew chapter 15 verses 25 and 26. Look at what he says. Hmm? For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So what is the price of a soul? At least here in this context, it is more precious than the whole world put together. That is the price of a soul. So if you are the only man who deserves to be saved, it would still take so much of a price to be paid on your behalf to save you. You understand? So what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Nothing. So, in other words, if you put a soul of man over here, and you bring all the gold and all the reserve banks of this world, can you buy it back? No way. That's the point. Exchange price. Exchange rate kya hai? In other words, if we empty our reserve banks here in India, you will not be able to buy the money in the reserve banks of America. Why? The exchange rate is so high. Okay. In other words, if they choose to buy us, they can buy us. You know something? Apple, one, at, one, at one point of time, they had $300 billion close to in cash reserves. Not assets. <laughs> not assets, 300 billion dollars in cash reserves because of Mac. 300, in other words, they could buy, purchase half of India. 
because india's gdp is 1.3 trillion dollars by those those days that means 1 1 trillion dollars let's say 1 trillion dollars is the gdp of india that means one third of the gdp of india is the cash reserves of one one corporation in america so if they have to buy uh, andhra pradesh yeah, let's buy it come on andhra pradesh is mine he can just come and exchange he will just pour that money on your face and the whole country can be your can, can be his that much of money they had but that is babylon what do they traffic in the traffic in the what of men in the souls of men see to the world you are just a number but to god you are not a number i'll show you something very very significant pay close attention revelation chapter 7 please 17 please revelation chapter 7 sorry not 17 7 revelation chapter 7 look at how different the world system is and the kingdom of god is Revelation chapter 7 verse 1 onwards After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth on the sea or on any tree Then I saw another angel ascending from the east having the seal of the living God and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea saying do not harm the earth the sea or the trees till I have sealed the servants of the God of God on their four heads okay and i heard the number what am i going to seal i am going to seal the servants of god on their four heads now what do they have on their forehead what is a seal baba revelation 14 verse 1 can you put it in the niv revelation 14 verse 1 you will understand what those uh, uh, seal is that is 144000 then i looked and there before me was lamb standing on the on mount zion and with him 144000 who had the name who who are his name that is the name of jesus and his father's name where written on their foreheads that means these are the people who had what is foreheads remember this is a place of your mind right what is what does it mean to have the name and the uh, name of his father and name of uh, jesus to be written on his forehead they had an intimate understanding of who god is and what happens to them these these are the people who follow the lamb wherever he goes now think about that they we are all like sheep we went astray we were all doing our own thing now we have returned to the shepherd and our overseer of our souls and what are we doing now we are following the lamb wherever he goes and we have the seal of god on our foreheads meaning what we know we have a deep understanding of who god is we understood his name you know why because it says in hebrews chapter 2 i will declare your name to my who to my brothers That's what he says in Hebrews chapter two. I will declare my name to my brothers. He says in Hebrews chapter two. That means every one of us have understood who God is. What is His name? God who is plenteous in mercy. You know all the seven things. He is doing. He is this. He is this. He is this. And He is slow to anger, plenteous in mercy, who will forgive. In, who will uh, forgive iniquity and also visit the iniquity, etc. All these things are the name of God. All the attributes of God. We have an understanding of the attributes of God. We have the seal of God and the Father and His name and His sons, uh, Son on our foreheads. We have an understanding of God. That is what it means to have His name. Now look at how the world system looks. Sees it. Revelation chapter thirteen. Revelation chapter thirteen verse sixteen and seventeen. Revelation chapter thirteen verses sixteen and seventeen. He also forced everyone, who small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive the mark of the beast mark on his right hand or on his. Oh no, two categories of people. There are one category of people who are absolutely innocent who will just receive the mark, and the other category of people who will receive the mark on their forehead means what? They know what they are getting themselves into. 
అంతే కదా సెవెంటీన్ సో దాట్ నో వన్ కుడ్ బై ఆర్ సెల్ అన్లెస్ దీ హ్యాడ్ ద మార్క్ ఓకే నో లుక్ దిస్ విచ్ ఇస్ ద నేమ్ ఆఫ్ ద బీస్ట్ ఆర్ ద నంబర్ ఫర్ హిమ్ బిమ్ ఆర్ ద నంబర్ ఫర్ హిమ్ ఇట్ డజన్ మ్యాటర్ ఖైదీ నంబర్ వన్ థౌజండ్ సెవెన్ హండ్రెడ్ అండ్ ఫార్టీ ఫైవ్ ఐ రిమెంబర్ మై రోల్ నంబర్ ఇన్ వెన్ వాజ్ ఇన్ యూనివర్సిటీ వై డబల్ వన్ జీరో ఫోర్ ట్వంటీ వన్ వై డబల్ వన్ జీరో ఫోర్ ట్వంటీ వన్ యువర్ మార్క్స్ ఫర్ హిమ్ హీస్ జస్ట్ యువర్ జస్ట్ నంబర్ సో ఈవెన్ ఇఫ్ యూ లూజెస్ యూ ఇఫ్ ద మెజారిటీ ఆర్ ఇన్ సైడ్ డజన్ కేర్ దట్స్ వాట్ ఇట్ మీన్స్ నైన్టీ నైన్ పీపుల్ ఆర్ ఆన్ మై సైడ్ యూ వన్ ఫలో ఇఫ్ యూ ఆర్ వోటింగ్ అగేన్స్ట్ మీ వాట్ మై వాట్ మై హెడ్ will be destroyed anyway but what does god do he is not interested in numbers number is not important to god he is after the individual you are just not a number you are not a statistic that is the reason why my sheep hear my voice and i call them by their not number by name <laughs> do you understand that so he knows me vijay he knows you richard because richard is an individual made in the image of god vijay is an individual made in the image of god sami is an individual name in the made in the image of god we are not just numbers so even the church is not a place where we are looking for numbers we are looking for individuals individuals because every soul matters to god that that is what i'm talking about you see repentance from god's perspective no we are not numbers we are not statistics in god's god's uh, chart no we are all good with numbers no so many people so many so many people bought our product so many people are interested in our product we are all people who are interested in number games when i used to grow, grow up my dad used to tell me which is statistics are lies which is true all probability only you know estimations why do we, ha- we why do we have some players in our team because statistically they've been performing well so chances are if we take them in our team they will perform well the law of averages will eventually catch up here are numbers show me the numbers show me data show me hard data hello for god it is not data it is that one individual that is what he is trying to convey he is saying and he is saying which of you which of you this is a rhetorical question which of you if you have 100 sheep and if one goes astray will not go after that one now think about the pharisees are if one goes why will i care i have 99 but you know what he is saying i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep and if one goes astray i will go after that one fellow doesn't matter because for me it is not the numbers the individual is important that is the reason why he tells his disciples go 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 please leave me and he goes all the way and he waits for that lady to come to the well the woman of samaria it's amazing now i remember when we went to the first mission trip when we were in university the first mission trip when we were in university we went to a place called ghatampur in up ghatampur is a village in up close to kanpur about few hundred kilometers from kanpur or 50 kilometers from kanpur 60 kilometers from kanpur and you know what if you go to that village it is so poor so poor some places i mean i'm talking about the year 2001 2002 2003 that whereabouts some places in those in those in those in some houses in those uh, villages they don't even have power 
And I remember our professor who was preaching the gospel, he preached from the Samaritan woman at the village well because he knew everybody comes to the village well and there was a place, it's a place where, you know what, not everybody can come to the village well at any time. There are class differences. You people will come at this time, you will come at this time, you you people will come at this time. We will not eat together, neither drink together. But look at God. He goes and waits as if she is going to give him the pleasure of her company. That is God. After that one sheep. After that one sheep. Believe this with all of your heart. Believe this. You see, this change radically changed my, my mind. You know, he is the hound of heaven. He is after you. He is after you. We have not searched for him. We don't love him. He first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. I, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you. He tells in John's Gospel 6, unless the father draws him close to me, nobody can find me. It was an initiation by God. You are not a number. You are not a statistic. You are not how many people in the in Grace Abundacle Church. Uh, we have about 100. Word to such pastors who say we have about 100. Who doesn't, who doesn't know his congregation by name and number. This is number 75. Do we have numbers in Grace Home? No. It's a Grace Home. We know everyone by their individual names. Even though it's Deepika 1 and Deepika 2 sometimes, we don't know. Because there's so two, two Deepikas. Okay, we, so we'll call Deepika Junior and Deepika Senior, whatever. But we know them by names. They are not in, they are not numbers. So the government will say, no, take 20 people, take 30 people. For them, what, did, what is it? Numbers. For us it is not numbers. Individuals. So even in our school that we have, for us, if you are not able to take care of one individual, we will not take the student at all. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Rich, poor, doesn't matter. Individual attention, which is important. You see? Understand that. So for God, it's not what? Numbers. He goes after that one person. You know that you are not a statistic. It gives us a tremendous, <laughs> how many, like voters. All these are, okay, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Majority opinion doesn't matter to God. Individuals matter. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to Modi if he knows you or not. But it matters to God. Think about a creator of the universe. Huh? What kind of a God he is that he wants to have an individual one-on-one relationship with every person in the body of Christ. Mumkin hai kya? Class mein mumkin nahi hai. Impossible. You know why we take the best students in, in the top universities? So that we don't have to give individual attention. Hello? It's totally different with God. He knows each us by each of us by name. See, have you heard your name being called by God? I heard. You see, I believe it. And every genuine, every person, not man of God, every genuine believer had a, and when he had an encounter, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I know you by name. Hey, Pharisee number 254, no. Hey, topper in the class, no. He was a topper, no. Hey, rank number one, no. 
we are either known by rank or by no rank <laughs> but not by name but god knows us by name that one person is important to god you see that all the time he goes in search for that one person hey you 38 years do you want to be made whole pull uh, at the guy uh, born blind do you want uh, so he goes and touches them and he he says he is after individuals he is after us as individuals too understand that look at some examples no he goes after that guy and he searches for him until ha he finds it that is relentless ah i search i search okay okay i mean what can i do lord what can i do what can i do i mean i searched i couldn't find what can i do that is joseph who goes in search of his brothers till he finds them shekem i didn't find what can i do not my responsibility nagen dalwat you see he searches us until he finds us he comes after you i'm telling you it's not easy okay to accept this when god is after your life <laughs> he will he will corner you and he will find you you have no no escape okay lord <laughs> i am found i am found i give up you see that's what happened to saul 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 how he found him look at how saul describes his conversion okay turn to uh, galatians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16 okay Look at what he says. But when God, who set me apart from His birth and called me by His grace, when did He set him, set him apart? Called him by His grace before he, right from His mother's womb. And it says in the Ephesians chapter one verse four, even before the foundations of the world was laid, to reveal His Son in me. When it but but uh, and He called me by His grace was pleased to reveal in His Son in me. When did He choose to reveal His Son in me? Think about it. He was born for f- several years. He was a Pharisee. top student in the school of gamaliel It's university of tarsus gold medalist knows hebrew and greek is well versed in all the literature of the greeks you know it you know in athens how he says he knows everything top student murderer also he i mean he is the one who kills uh, stephen he is in charge why lord But, I mean, at least you would have said, "No, Lord." At least before Steve, before I could finish off Stephen, you could have <laughs> intervened. No, 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 no. He waits, and he finds you. You know something? God has found you when He wanted, and how He wanted to find you. He found you like that. He chose a particular time. That is how He finds. he finds us relentless until he searches until he finds us and then what it is what does he do he puts him on his shoulder what a shoulder turn to matthew chapter 11 read verse verse 27 first only verse 27 and then let us read verse 28 and 29 all things have committed to me by my father no one knows the son except the 
father and no one knows the father except the son no that means there is there is a relationship between the son and the father nobody can penetrate into that finished it's a sealed <laughs> sealed relationship nobody can know go in the middle and say okay let me understand what is going on over here nothing it's absolutely closed okay it's a closed circuit nobody can come son and the father are a complete circuit no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son what should he do chooses to reveal in other words okay let me search the bible let me understand it nobody will understand you can be a top student and a phd from mit or stanford or harvard doesn't matter you can be the best iq of iq of 150 plus doesn't matter okay this kind of knowledge will only come through what through revelation okay let's move on let's verse 28 and 29 now come to me all who are weary <laughs> and heavy laden and what will i give you i'll give you rest what did he do he takes that guy and puts him on his shoulder now what he saying i will give you what rest enough of running away from me what has happened to you do you see the miserable state you are in don't run away from me enough stop exchange your sin for my righteousness exchange your curse for my blessing exchange your poverty for my riches exchange your ashes for my beauty exchange your spirit of heaviness for a garment of praise exchange exchange a divine transference takes place his sin i mean your sin and he becomes what he gives you his righteousness rest just rest stop trying give up your doing <laughs> give up all that you see i'll show you a, a fantastic verse in ezekiel chapter 34 verse 16 ezekiel chapter 34 verse 16 are you there i will seek that which was lost and bring back that which was driven away i will what do i do i will bind up the broken now the fellow is broken what will he do he'll bind him up can he walk now no sometimes you know what he'll do he'll break your leg shepherd now can you walk no you know what he'll do he'll put the cast and he will put you on his shoulder and bring you back to the fold to the sheep fold he will strengthen that which was sick but what will he do but i will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment now as i told you don't get scared repentance is not a bad word there's another translation called the what translation which i'm recently reading is called the septuagint translation okay look at what it says in ezekiel chapter 34 verse 16 in the septuagint play close attention I will seek that which was lost. I will recover the straven, recover the straven. I will bind up that which was broken. 
I will strengthen the fainting which was sick. You know the next word? I will guard the strong. Wow! What will I do? I will guard the strong and I will feed them with judgment. Discipline them in other words. Okay. So in other words, you are becoming a fattened sheep now, let's say. He will give you nice two shots. But he will discipline you. As long as you are still a sheep. Yeah. Let, look at the next verse now. Verse 17 and 18 now. Hmm? <laughs> and for you, and as for you my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold I will judge between sheep and sheep. Between rams and goats. Huh? <laughs> sheep and sheep I will judge. Rams and goats I will judge. But I will be the shepherd. I will make a distinction. But as long as you are sheep and you are getting a little fat, what I will do to you? I will discipline you. I will guard I will guard the strong and I will feed them with my judgment. Meaning, I will judge him. God doesn't judge us to spank us, to destroy us. No, we are like, uh, he is like a father who judges us. Like I am a father to Abigail. So what do I do? I will instill in her a little fear of me. Little, slight fear of me. But she know, always knows that I love her. She's not listening, so I can tell an example. Yesterday, what happened? So many things my teach my students teach me. You know, my students want my 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 children. Yesterday, for her, Hindi is a deadly subject. She cannot wrap her mind across it. Okay, poor thing. Now I've realized it. I should have, I should have tried to uh, teach her right from the beginning. But no, now Jamila and all those things, she's not able to understand. Okay. And she fears the exam. Why does she fear the exam? <laughs> because if he doesn't get a hundred, then your father is there next to her, no? So yesterday she was struggling to understand ten words in Hindi. Struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling. Okay, I didn't say anything. Justin didn't say anything. Neither of us said anything. He said, come on, study. After a while she started trying. Tears in her eyes. I said, why are you crying? She says, I don't know. I'm not getting this. I'm scared. Oh, what? Oh, what? But I will not get full marks. Then I have to tell her, you know. You don't have to be scared of me. You don't have to be scared of me. I am a father. If you're struggling and you're giving your best, I'm not going to spank you. If you waste your time, yes, I'll discipline you. Three, four days, you nicely enjoyed yourself and you should have studied then. Okay, fine, I'll, rem- I'll bring it to remembrance. But I'm not going to spank you. I'm a father. And in fact, I'm so proud that you cried. You have a little, you have a little fear of your father. Little, I'm very, I'm very, very happy about that. You see, you see, he's a father. And and when I looked at her, I literally just and I had to, you know, con- console her, speak to her kindly. And after that, she was, she felt assured. Okay, she felt assured. 
So even if we get 98, we kind of look at, look down, I mean, look, look down upon her, we kind of uh, look at her with a, just 98, no, what is this 98 business, no? Okay. Problem is, I'm not, we're not, I'm not, just, just, uh, don't misunderstand this, I'm talking about, what I'm saying is this, no? I want the best for my child. And so what I, what I tell her is this, you know what? You're not able to get it? Doesn't matter, I'll be with you. I will come by your side and I will struggle along with you. Remember, you only have I known of all the families of the earths. What will I do there for? I will. I, that's what your, your translation says. You know what, it, what the word in Hebrew is? I will visit you for your iniquities. What is visiting? The Lord visited Sarah and she conceived. Does it mean that he, she, he disciplined Sarah? No. <laughs> he visited her. That means he visited her with what was lacking in Sarah. That is God. I love Pastor James's prayer this morning. He said, Lord, what is lacking in us, Lord? You fill it. What we are strong in, enable us to be humble so that you can bless us more. What a prayer it was. I hope you pay attention to prayers. See, What is lacking in you? I want to come as a father and strengthen you. know why? Because I am interested in your success more than you are. I hope you understand my heart. So my wife was looking at me after she cried and she smiled and she said, I can see some characteristics of you in your in your child. Because I used to also cry. <laughs> because the exams were getting tough and I was like, I knew that um, I'm not going to start it before preempting uh, all the attacks I might receive. I used to cry, start crying. no. But it's a, the point is this. God is a father. He strengthens. He comes and visits you. And what is lacking in you, he will come and fulfill it. He will finish it, it accomplish it. I will seek that which was lost. What a beautiful verse. I will seek that which was lost. I will recover the stray one. I will bind up that which is broken. What a blessing. And he says, I will strengthen the fainting and I will guard the strong. What a God! So you are getting a little strong? A little fat? A little proud? Don't worry. I will humble you very soon. <laughs> so that I can guard you. It's like, you know, Paul getting this multitude of revelations. And what happens? He will send one messenger of Satan to buffet him. Oh Lord, this messenger of Satan constantly buffeting me. Don't worry. This is to keep you humble. Because I'm a father. You're becoming strong now. What I want to do? I want to guard you from pride, Paul. I want to guard you. What a father! So that you will not lose your crown. I am humble and meek and lowly, but I don't know about you. You still have the flesh inside of you. And I need you to have this in your side so that I can keep you humble. I remember, you know, sometimes you know, when you finish your sermon and you know that you did a good job. Okay, Not all the time. You know that you did a good job. And suddenly you will be in cloud number nine or something. Very soon God will bring it on. <laughs> and I experienced it multiple times. You know, you know what? I want to guard you. I resist the problem, but I give what to the humble? Grace to the humble. You want be you want me to be on your side all the time? The Lord is close to the broken hearted and to such as of, of a contrite spirit, and him 
them he will teach his ways. You want God to continuously teach you? You need to be like him. So he has to guard you. He has to guard the strong. Okay. Show him a little bit of danda so so that he can bring him down. Alright. Then, so he puts him on his shoulder and then comes back home and what does he do? Let's go back to Luke's Gospel chapter 15. Verse 5 to 7. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. First he rejoices. And then he comes home and he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. Now you need to understand what is going on over here. Rejoice with me. Want to understand what it is? Turn to Genesis chapter 21. I'll tell you what it, what it means. Let's read from verses 1 onwards, maybe, yeah, to get a whole hang of it. And the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. I told you not, visited, right? That's a word. Hmm? And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, bore to him. What is he, what did he call him? Isaac means what? Isaac means laughter. Okay. Come let us sing. Let us rejoice. Messiah has come and he has brought life. And what did he bring to my laughter into my soul? What a song. Pastor Sharon taught us. It would have been enough if he brought joy. It would have been enough if he brought peace. If it would have been enough if he brought love. But he just didn't bring all these three. He brought what into my soul? Laughter. And look at what it says. Then Abraham circumcised his son uh, Isaac on the eighth day for as God had commanded him. And verse 5. And Abraham was 100 years old when he when his son Isaac was born to him. And look at this. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. And all who hear will laugh with me. How will they laugh with me? Look at the next verse. Verse 7. Verse seven. She also said, who would have said that Abraham, that Sarah, that said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? You know what? I love that. Who would have said? Who would have thought that this guy, hopeless fellow, Vijay, according to some people, no, would become pastor one day? Think about it. Who would have thought? Who would have thought this guy absolutely gone kissed? Everybody said this is good for nothing. He would become what? Beloved of God. Who would have thought such Sarah? Who would have thought? Think about it. Who would have thought that we as a church, who would have thought 15 years down the line that we as a church will be preaching to multitudes around the world? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? It's like this, no? Who would have thought that this lamb which was lost would be found? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? It's like guy who's uh, got a zero in math in uh, his 10th grade and he had to repeat his 10th class exam. will get IIT rank 1. Can you imagine? Who would have thought? 
you know chetan bhagat right you know chetan bhagat chetan bhagat when he finished his uh, grade 10 exam and he got his result he got 70% 70% in india okay you know what 70% is right they will pity you oh you uh, arts le lega. He will take some arts and uh, some arts he will do. Uh, something he will make in his life. Okay, okay. It's okay. Some girl will marry him finally. It's okay. No problem. That's how we think. When he heard those words, you know, he tells in his one of his interviews, he says, he said, I heard these words of sympathy. Then I went to my friends and I said, what is the toughest exam in India? In the next two years, I want to crack it. They said, uh, IIT. Okay. For two years, he studied like crazy. And he got IIT J some rank. Got an inge- mechanical engineering from IIT Delhi. And the rest is history. You know it. He actually joined IIT just to prove his friends wrong. Ultimately, he became a writer and an author. He got not only IIT, also IIM. So when they go, that fellow got an IIT rank, who would have thought? A chichi. A downcast 60%. After all, first class. First class, second class, third class, no. It would become one day. That is how it is. Who would have thought? <laughs> this good for nothing so called. Will one day be called Mephibosheth. Where is Mephibosheth? Is a place called Lodabar. <laughs> what is Lodabar? Nobody goes there. Literally in one se- in sunset, God for second. Now one day he will sit at the king's table and what do what with him? Eat with him. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? He rejoices with them. You see, this is what repentance from God's perspective, right? God's perspective. So what should the goodness of God lead us to? What should be our response? See, this is the God part. God part is that this is what he's doing for you. What should be our response to him? Our response is nothing but what he has done for us. If you look at the cross, no response <laughs> is great enough. So let us look at the response for the rest of the time that we have. Let's read first Luke's Gospel chapter 19, verse 7. Sorry. Uh, hold on, please. Uh, verse 9 and 10. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to his house, to this house, because he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. So whom is he seeking now here in this context? Zacchaeus. Literally he has gone in search of whom? Zacchaeus. Now how does Zacchaeus respond? See the goodness of God leads us to repentance. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the goodness. I looked at the God's perspective first. I looked at the goodness of God first. Now look at the response. Okay, let us do it from Luke's Gospel chapter 19 verse 1 onwards. Okay. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. He never stayed in Jericho. Okay, by the way, that's very significant. Okay. He called people out of Jericho. Barthemus was there. He said, Barthemus, Master is calling you. He left his garments, came to Jesus and after after Jesus healed him, he followed him. He didn't stay back in Jericho. Not like Ahab's time, there was a guy called Hiel or somebody. Eliel or Hiel. Hiel, right? Hiel. What does he do? He constructs the walls of Jericho with his first son and his last son. Okay. So, 
Understand this. Now let's move on. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. badmash. Okay, the numerator, you know, badmash of uh, of uh, of Jericho, called Zacchaeus, was there, and he was rich. The badmash is rich, so even even more despised. everybody knew how he made his money. Everybody, right from the beggar to the rich man in in Jericho, knew this fellow is a subse bada badmash, and he was at once upon a time maybe he was also okay with it. Hmm? And he was rich. Again, verse 3. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd. The, the KJV used the word because of the press, it says. Press. Okay, it's a very interesting word. For he was of start stature. So he ran ahead. Now, like Pastor James gives this example, no? He says, all tax collectors make people run. But the first time in, in the history of his life, he was running. Okay. And he climbed up to a watery, Psychomodri to see him. For he was going to pass that way. It's remarkable, isn't it? Beautiful. The word for psychomore, it only occurs once in the entire New Testament. Okay. It's a combination of two words, sikon and moron. Sukon and moron, psychomore. <laughs> You know, we have in, uh, if you go to universities in North America or or especially in US, you have the freshman year. What is the first year? Second year is called what year? Sophomore. Okay. Second year, sophomore. Why is they called sophomore? It, it It's a combination of two words, sophos and moron. That means this fellow is a half moron. He's still not graduate. That's, what, that's the reason why it's called sophomore. So you just because you became uh, second year, don't think that you're a brilliant fellow. Okay. You're still a moron. Half at least. Okay, so <laughs> that is how sophomore is a very interesting year. Sophomore. Sophomorean means as a half moron. So he ran ahead of him and climbed up to a sycamore tree to see him. Now very interesting the word sycamore tree. What is the other word for sycamore tree? What is sycamore? The other word? You want to understand what sycamore tree is? Turn to Luke's Gospel chapter 13. Verse 6 onwards. He also spake this parable. A certain man had a watery fig tree. <laughs> the six, same word, sycamore, okay. Fig tree planted in the vidyan and he came seeking for fruit on it and he found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, three years I have come seeking fruit on the fig tree and it found none. Cut it down. Why is it using up the ground? And what happens? Next verse, the verse, uh, guy says, uh, but he answered and said, Lord, let it alone this year also. I will around, I will fertilize it and do something. And it bears fruit well. Otherwise, you cut it down. So what did Jesus do? He was walking and he found one sycamore tree and he looked up the sycamore tree. And what did he find? One fruit. What is that fruit? Nice, ripe badmash called Zacchaeus. Okay. Remember that uh, parable of the big uh, good fix and the bad fix in Jeremiah? <laughs> good fix, very good. Bad fix, very bad. And this guy was one one bad bag fig on that sycamore tree. It's amazing. But we look at the bad fruit, but we don't know what good Jesus is looking. He's looking at a 
fresh, ripe, juicy fig. Not from your garden, but from the garden of God. You gave my wife figs now. She's only ordering figs from big, big basket. She has got the taste of the figs now. My God. <laughs> she says, whoa, I like figs now. She's ordering figs left, right and center. Okay. <laughs> you see, he looked at the figs and he said, what is that fig? What is that fruit that God is looking at? And he says, Zacchaeus, come down. In other words, literally Jesus plucked that fruit. From the ground. And he tells Zacchaeus, I want to come and stay at your home. And what do the people say? They started grumbling. The same grumbling. He went to the house of a sinner. He says, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down for today. I must stay. I am coming there to stay with you, Zacchaeus. So he made haste. Came and received him joyfully. You know, this is, this is basically not Zacchaeus inviting to him his home. Jesus inviting him to his house, basically. That is the invitation. Let's read on. When he saw it, and they saw it, same complaint. He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. And look at this. Zacchaeus student said to the Lord, I told you our response is important. Okay, what is the response? This is repentance, okay. Half my goods I give to the poor. You know what he's saying, Lord? One thing that caused me to amass this kind of wealth is my covetousness. I love money. And I love lots of it. And I don't care how I get it. I loved it with all of my heart. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to lay the axe to the what? To the root. I'm going to Kill it at the root. I'm going to kill covetousness this first. That is what we call as iniquity. My iniquity is covetousness. What is a fruit? A fruit is taking money, left, right and center. Cheating. I want to become rich. You know tax collectors, right? Boy, they are not easy people to handle with. The CAs are scared. looked at it and said, Lord, what half my goods I give to the poor. Now think about that. How much wealth that fellow had. Divided it, gave to the poor. Did Jesus ask anything? Nothing. Half my wealth I give to the poor. First thing. Second, if I have taken anything from anyone with what? False accusation. I restore what? Fourfold. Now this is very interesting. What is false accusation? You know what the Greek word for false accusation is? Psychophancy. Psychophanteo. I'll tell you something. It is a spirit. What is a spirit? Somebody is above me. I want to get something from him. So what do I do? Flatter him. David Pawson puts it beautifully. He says, they are bootlickers. What do they do? They, they lick the boots of the people who are above them and they stamp with their boots with the people below them. Both are what? False accusation. 
ఇట్ ద స్పిరిట్ ఇట్స్ ఎట్లంటే ఫ్లాటరింగ్ బిగ్ థింగ్ యూఆర్ ద బెస్ట్ డాడీ ఇన్ ద హోల్ వరల్డ్ వి నో వాట్ ఇస్ కమింగ్ నో ఇట్స్ కాల్ సైకోఫాన్సీ పాస్టర్ you are the best pastor in the whole world world we never saw any pastor like this in our entire life ba boy <laughs> psychophancy long live the king is one thing okay that means let the king live for long may the king live for i ever that is psychophancy he also knows that fellow is going to die very soon but what will this fellow say <laughs> may the king live forever raja amar rahe that's what happened to nebuchadnezzar but he knew their spirit he said i know you fellows i'll tell you something you want promotion in my kingdom you tell me the dream and its interpretation then i will give you you will i will give you a promotion otherwise i'll give you the other promotion what is the other promotion i'll cut you into pieces and make your home into a dunghill it will become the public toilet basically in other words your home will become a shilab complex very clearly he explained the professional development program very clear psychophancy god you are the best god in the whole wide world what is that flattery that's what it says in psalm 78 they flattered him that's what he tells in max matthew chapter 15 he says these people draw to near me to the, with their what with their lips but their hearts are far from me their hearts are far from me in vain do they worship me teaching as if doctrines the commandments of men what is there the heart is not for me but they flatter me i am not fooled i am not fooled with sycophants so what is happening with zacchaeus zacchaeus understands that he says lord i know i have a sycophancy sycophancy spirit spirit you know what what i would do i would go to the romans and i would flatter them because what is a tax collector supposed to do you cannot become chief tax collector unless you flatter somebody in the kingdom in in the in the in the corporate field especially in india i mean so true in india especially in india i i my wife tells me and many people whom i know very very closely they tell they tell me you know you know what they tell me they say you know what most of the promotions are are gotten by people who actually don't deserve it you know why because they flatter you should be in the good books of the manager in other words how are you in the good books of the manager you should not perform better than him and the people below you should not perform better than you so that fellow will make you an underperformer you will make your people below you underperformer flattery it's a spirit of psychophancy all around the world do you think it doesn't happen in churches sometimes the elders will leaders will flatter the people you know why <laughs> you know why if they we, they we will tell you exactly what you need what do you need what do you need we need a message which will uh, comfort us okay no problem ramad giliad we want to go should we go to battle ramad giliad 400 prophets flattery <laughs> yes king will live forever he is going to go to the battle and he is going to win all the prophets are prophesying ramad giliad ramad giliad you go to ramad giliad you are going to be a winner nobody is going to defeat you baba after how many years does this happen 
Remember after how many years this happens? You remember Syria comes to uh, attack Ben Haddad and he doesn't finish them off. Exactly after how many years does the Syrians come back to attack Ben Haddad? Three years. Three years he comes back to look for what? Fruit. Shimei says, okay, so please sir, sorry sir, sorry sir, sorry sir, sorry sir, Solomon, you are the greatest king on planet Earth. What is he doing? Flattering him. Psychophancy. Solomon says, I know you fellow. Okay. Okay, do one thing. Stay in Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem as long as you are in Jerusalem, I will not touch you. The moment you go out of Jerusalem, finished. Servants run away. You know why servants run away from your home? You know, you should, you should, it's a, it's a very interesting factor. If people are wanting to come and work for you, something, it says something about you. If people don't want to work with you, it says something about you. See? Understand that. So, servants run away. So, what does he do? He also goes after the servant. Finished. Gone. After, after how many years? Exactly three years this fellow in Jerusalem. That means, Shimia, you have a, I know you're, you're an opportunist. You are a sycophant. You are a false accuser. You are a finger pointer of the first order. You look for your own benefit. People on top of you, you will flatter them. People below you, you oppress them. A very interesting proverb, 28.3. Look at this. I mean, it's a stunning proverb. A poor man who oppresses a poor. Kya baat hai? A poor man oppresses the poor is like a driving, is like a driving rain which leaves no food. It's amazing. How can the poor oppress the poor? It's a spirit of accusation. False accusation. The spirit of psychophancy. It's there. As when you hear the the, the trumpet and the lyre and the flute and the all kinds of instruments. What should you say? Raja Amarhe and bow to the Raja. You know what they say? We don't want to flatter you. Okay. We will tell you what you are in reality. And you know what? Those are the only people who can be trusted. Do you know that? People who flatter you cannot be trusted. Do you know that? That is the reason why Nebuchadnezzar knows when he gets a dream about being cut off. Remember that uh, the dream that he gets? All the wise people, he can only trust one fellow. Who is that guy? Daniel. Daniel loves him and he will tell his truth to his face. Like Paul. Paul comes and confronts Peter because he is interested in Peter. He's not going to flatter Peter even though he's the chief of all the apostles in that, in that sense. He's not going to flatter, flatter him. looking for that fruit. You know what he's looking for? One fruit he's looking for. He's asking you, do you have the fruit or the spirit of psychophancy inside of you? It's called false accusation. But you know what actually false accusation means? If you show obsequious deference to people just because you want to get some gain from them. What is obsequious deference? Deference. Obsequious deference. Obsequious deference means this. You are always trying to be servile. Because you know, if you keep on pampering him, you will get some benefit out of him. You should hate that attitude. 
So you get money out of them. How? By false accusation. You get money out of the weak. How? By false accusation. You, the way you deal with the people who are above you and the way you deal with the people below you is the same. Albeit, albeit, you are dealing very servile before those people who are above you, but you are very oppressive with people who are below you. But the spirit that is operating is the same. You know, remember John, right? John the Baptist, when he calls all those people to repentance, different, different kinds of people come. When the police officers come, you know what he, what he says? Don't accuse people what? Falsely. What does that mean? People above you, people below you. Everybody treat them as equal. Don't have any favorites. No accusations. That's a spirit. And God looks for that fig tree. He looks at sycamore tree and he looks at Zacchaeus and he says, now he has come to the point. He is not going to flatter me anymore. No for flattery. He is going to come clean. He will say, this is what I am, who I am. I want to tell it as it is. I am an adulterer. I am a chore. I am a badmash. I am not going to placate anything. I am not going to soften anything. You want to look at the fruit that God looks for? Turn to John's Gospel, chapter 1. Verse 45 onwards. Hmm? Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said, What did he say? Oh, Jesus of Nazareth? You must be a great man. No? Can anything good God of good come out of Nazareth? I mean, he's like, uh, he's not going to even flatter Jesus. <laughs> it's amazing. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see him. And then look at what it says next verse. Jesus said to Nathaniel, coming uh, coming toward him, and he said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no, what? Guile, deceit at all. Transparent fellow. And Nathaniel said, How did you know me? And Jesus said, Before Philip called you, I saw you were under the what tree? Fig tree. I saw that fruit. No sack of fancy over there. Matthew chapter 18. Look at this. Verse 23 onwards. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle what? Accounts. No, kingdom of heaven is account settling. Okay. Auditing will happen. Okay, so better to keep your accounts in order with all his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him <laughs> 10,000 talents. And what did he do? You will see the sycophant spirit. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he should be sold and his wife and his children and all the payment had to be made. And he said, Lord, have patience with me, master. I will pay you all. What is that? Psychophancy. So he had compassion upon him and released him. But what did this fellow do? He went downstairs and he oppressed the guy who was under him. That is the reason why you know what Jesus says? You should take away the pointing of what? fingers. Take it away. False accusations. Whom do you accuse? The woman that uh, you gave me. That's a problem. Madam, you gave. Adam, madam, you gave. 
See, you see God is good, no? Do you have to pretend before God? Do you see how that he seeks those who are lost, no? Do you have to become a psychophant of God? Tell it like it is. You see, once you stop pretending, no? You truly, truly have become a believer. You have truly understood the gospel. Because you are not seeking for the glory of men. You are seeking the only the glory which comes from God alone. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Stop pretending. So what is that yours to? Lord, first of all, half my goods to the poor. If I have taken anything from anybody by false accusation. Think about this. No, think about this. Think about this. He has to give back to the rich and he has to give back to the Poor, both people. <laughs> That's the point. By the end of the time, if he finished everything, he's returning how much back? Fourfold. After he finished returning half his money, after he returning, after him returning fourfold, how many, how much do you think is left in his bank? According to me, I think zero. In other words, you know what? He is willing to come to the point of becoming a zero before God. You know why? He wants that commendation from God. Behold, he is also the son of Abraham. Behold, salvation has come to his house today. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. You see that? This is how God deals with us. But you know what response he is looking for? Don't pretend. Don't pretend. Don't act. Okay. One of the things that you can be honest is honest before God. Okay, you may not be honest before man, but don't try to be honest. Or don't try to uh, flatter God. Say, this is what I am God. And you'll actually you feel right. And the best thing to do is write it down or type it down. Whatever you want to say with God. Say it to God. So that it will be more clearer. I used to do all that, no? I used to put it in a draft in my email. After I die, you can go back to my hack my account and see what I wrote. That doesn't matter. After that, I'll be in the presence of the Lord by that time. No problem. But all the crap that I did, I wrote it down. This is what I am. 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 This is what I don't want to pretend before you, God. I don't want to be a psychophant. I don't want to be a false accuser. Remember that servant who said, Oh, I know that you are an austere man. You will reap what you did not sow. Huh? Hello? By your own words, I am going to judge you. Okay, I, I reap what I don't sow, right? You should have taken the money and should have put it in a bank. What did you do with my money? How dare you? How dare you? What are you doing? You're trying to flatter me. You're accusing me falsely. No, nobody can accuse God. Can you bring an accusation before God? No way. Let God be true and every man will be a liar. That means liar. Meaning you and you compare yourself with God, you are, you will become, you will be shown to be an absolute lie. Don't pretend. You know something? 
once you don't pretend, you will see the freedom and the liberty that God will pour into your lives. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You don't have to pretend anymore. Can you imagine the guy who has to always pretend? He has to remember his lies. Every lie he has told, he has to remember. That story has to be consistent. He has to write it down. Otherwise, next time when I rehearse it, something wrong I should not give. And I have seen it. I have seen it. No, I have seen it. When people tell us, speak the truth, when their testimony is truth, it doesn't matter which context they speak, they speak the same thing consistently. It's always the truth. And it comes naturally because they don't have to pretend. They don't have to hide anything. They don't have to camouflage. They don't have to, they don't have to make embellishments to it. They don't, have, they don't have to decorate it. You just tell it like it is. So what are the Pharisees and the tax collectors? I mean, Pharisees and the Sadducees, they have to pretend. But the, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, boy, you see, they just came out like that and said, because you know what? We don't have to pretend. My goodness, I'm sick and tired of this life of pretense. I don't want to be servile anymore. I don't want to lick the boots of my higher-ups. I don't want to oppress the others. You see. But dear brothers, when you have tasted the goodness of God, it will lead you to repentance. Two things at least. First thing, you will lay the axe to the root. Second thing, you will make a restitution. Both things. If I have take from, taken from anyone, and what what essentially you will take care of is you will take care of the spirit of flattery inside of you, the psychophant spirit. All of us have it at different levels, right? <coughs> that is the reason why don't say much, keep your mouth shut. Let your actions speak louder than your words. Okay, you mean what you say. Put your money where your, sorry, mouth where your, I'm sorry, mouth where your money is. I think it's uh, either way. I don't know. How how does it go, Sammy? Google it, okay? <coughs> Put your mouth where your money is, whatever. Money where your mouth is, money, mouth where your money is. Otherwise, you know what God will say? Lord, Lord! Ah, Lord, Lord! Have you not prophesied in your name? Have you not driven out demons in your name? I know you flatterers. You can't flatter me. Why do you call me what? Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I ask you to do. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know why? I know that psychophant spirit inside of you. You are all false accusers. You are finger pointers. And this morning we don't want to deal with that. We have tasted the goodness of God. God is a God who comes after us now. You know what he said? What he does? See, you don't have to pretend. I will take you and put you on my shoulder. Think about it. After Zacchaeus gives everything away and makes this repentance and he comes to zero, do you think God is going to stop taking care of him? If he comes clean like that, we all fear. He is going to, now the blessing is going to start in his life. His testimony itself is going to be a liberation for so many people. Today, salvation has come. So you have to see repentance from God's perspective. It will actually liberate us. 
It's not a bad word. Okay, it's the goodness of God, and He's a God who grants us what repentance and genuine repentance. You don't have to fear. You don't have to. You don't have to deceive. You don't have to flatter anybody. Let your words be few. Let your actions speak louder than your words. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you. All of us have it. But Lord, we want to see your heart this morning. You're a God who invites sinners. You eat with them. You, you are our heavenly David. You are going to show us kindness for the sake of Jesus. Father, you are the God who sought us from our low the bars. When we were scared, when our, yes, we had absolutely low self-esteem, Lord, you said, you will sit as one of my sons around my table. All the days of your life. What an awesome God we serve. Behold what manner of love. The father has shed upon us. That we should be called the children of God. And I pray father. That everyone. Who receives Lord. This word. I pray Lord you would assure them. That we don't have to pretend. We don't have to flatter you. We don't have to do become sycophants. Because you accept us just as we are. And therefore we come to you just as we are. And we say with the hymn writer. Nothing in our hands we bring. Simply to the cross we cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul, we to the fountain fly. Wash us, Savior, or we die. Father, speak to your people and assure them that you love them. That it was you who was seeking them. And it was you who found them. It was you, Father, who was Put them on their shoulders like the way you brought Israel on your shoulders, O Lord. With an outstretched arm and upon your shoulders. So that we can truly enjoy that rest. Rest from all our pretense and all our lies. And all our acting. So that we can truly, truly be genuine people before you. Make us, O Lord. People who don't have to pretend. Thank you, Father. Bless us, O Lord, with the gift of repentance. Continuously. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name, Amen.